We're Courtney Gilroy, Gina Quattrochi, and Jordan Strobeck. Our direct sales business brought us together, and it's our full lives as six-figure mom entrepreneurs that bring us here to share all of our best experiences and education with other moms building their social selling empires during nap time. We're so glad you're here. Welcome to the Social Selling Collective, the podcast. Hey, social sellers, we're going to dive into the episode in 20 seconds. But first, we wanted to say we hear you and we have something so exciting to share with you. We are officially announcing that the Social Selling Club is now open. The Social Selling Club is a virtual community membership filled with fresh monthly trainings, a live Q&A call with us, our other special guests, and a private app filled with like-minded social selling go-getters just like you and more. So if you've been thinking, I love my team, but I need more support than I'm currently getting, or I need ongoing guidance on what tasks to do to actually get and stay profitable in this business, or I'm ready to start making real money already, or you've been wanting to invest, but haven't been financially able to yet, then this brand new virtual membership community, the Social Selling Club, is for you. And we're raffling off an annual membership, normally $2.97, for free to one of our podcast listeners here this summer. If the Social Selling Collective podcast has helped you at all, please take a minute to support the show by downloading the episode and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Your reviews help us spread the word about this podcast and we read each and every single one. And when you do, you'll automatically get entered into the raffle for this annual membership to the Social Selling Club. We'll announce the winner on Instagram at Social Selling Collective. So make sure to give us a follow there to see that you won. At any time, you can learn more about the club by visiting socialsellingcollective.com slash club. And for now, back to the show. Hey, social sellers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm pumped for this chat today because we're talking about something that's actually really culturally uncomfortable or taboo, if you will, to talk about. Let's talk about what no one else wants to talk about. Money. Money, money, money. Money, money, money. Anyone get the Toy Story reference? (laughs) Mr. Potato Head? Oh, no. (laughs) That's not who says it. Awesome. Yes, money is so tricky and it's vulnerable and it's hard and everybody's got their money stories. But guess what? We're here for it. In fact, this topic is so good that we've broken it into two parts. Today, we want to share a little bit about our unique money stories and then invite you to think about yours. And then you do not want to miss part two. So you'll have to tune in for our next episode. And Jordan, I'm going to go ahead and pass it over to you. Oh, you know, I'm laughing here because here I'm saying I don't I don't have a money story and now I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> so maybe I do. No, you know, here's my we background. All do. We all do. We all do. Absolutely. So here's my background. And I think a lot of the way we're raised are, you know, it's that whole nature versus nurture. But I do think a lot of how we're raised is a big, big, big component to how we view money as adults, right? And so, you know, I grew up the daughter of a successful business owner. And I really, really admired my dad's flexibility when it came to family life and just life in general. And, you know, he was at every single soccer game, whether it was a Wednesday or Saturday, like he just, he could put our events for four kids on the calendar and be at everything because, you know, he built a business. And that was really, I think, probably why I became an entrepreneur as well, because I saw that flexibility. 
And growing up, I never saw my parents fight about money. There was never any kind of scarcity when it came to money or lack of money was never a theme or a vibe in our household. And by the way, whether you have a ton of money or have no money at all, scarcity and talking about lack of money absolutely can be a theme. It is not dependent on how much you're actually making. You can still have a scarce mindset when it comes to money. And so even though my dad, he was the sole breadwinner, excuse me, he was constantly affirming my mom as the reason why he can build this business because she is holding down the fort. She's doing the most important job in the world. And that's the only reason he can go out and build this business. And so as a result of this, just experiencing this my whole entire life, I really do have the mindset that money is abundant. It's not a scarce resource. And you can always make more money. There's a million and one ways you can make money in 2021. But you you can't create more time, right? Time actually is scarce, but you can make more money. And so I knew instinctively that I would find ways in my adult life to create income streams because money is abundant. You know, so I think that that's very much my foundation. But I think where I struggle with earning a significant income at this point is with what I desire to do with that money. Right? I know in my, you know, my gut that money is an incredible tool. And it can be an unbelievable gift to do amazing things with. You can serve people, fund people, give generously. But where I struggle and where I even struggle today is when it comes to the desire piece of it. Meaning, what if I want a bigger house? Or if I want to take more lavish vacations? That's really the piece I think that's tripped me up in my quote-unquote money story that I know we'll kind of be talking more about in money part two. So stay tuned there. But yes, I believe money is abundant. You can create, you know, money truly, like that whole thing, money doesn't grow on trees. Well, I kind of think that that's a scarce mindset and it can grow on trees if you want it to grow on trees. But what do you do with that money? That's where I struggle. And that's where we're going to kind of get, we're going to talk part two here about how I've sort of worked through that and where I've, I've reconciled, you know, some of my struggle there. Does that make sense? So much sense. And can we just do like a hand raise for Mr. Payne? What a man, what a man, what a mighty good man. And <laughs> we get some good business nuggets from him. So uh, Mr. Payne, if you're listening, we so appreciate you and how abundantly minded you have raised Jordan to be alongside your incredible wife. Uh, just you are awesome, Jordan. And I'm sure they are so proud about that. Well, thank you. Uh, So my money story is a little bit different. For me, I was raised in a traditional Italian-American family. Both of my parents came from entrepreneurial families. My grandparents and great-grandparents were all entrepreneurs. But like the the kind that were the roll up your sleeves and you got to work really hard and it's a grind and you hustle and, you know, Great Depression, that sort of that sort of theme. And then the women stayed home and my mom followed in that traditional way to stay home full time. And my dad was actually supposed to inherit some businesses. And I watched in my childhood that story not play out as intended. So initially, my very first like taste of entrepreneurship was that it's hard to be an entrepreneur, but worthy work. And also money can cause 
fights or it can be unpredictable or even the best laid plans don't work. So I grew up with, well, it's worthy to be an entrepreneur. And also it could be kind of volatile and, and money's not as predictable and it certainly does not grow on trees. But there is a lot about my upbringing that I love related to money and that entrepreneurial spirit that I do want to speak to because my dad, given his money history, which I do believe trickles down in everyone's childhood in some way, he was the first one to say, Hey, you know what? Go for it. And bought me a Coke vending machine at six years old. We had it at a construction site and it was my job to go refill the cans. And it was, I literally remembered that though, like last night. I don't know why I hadn't jogged the memory back to that. But, but yeah, just in general, what I had observed was that profitable paychecks were possible, but they always were the result of sacrifice and hard work and trade offs. There was always something, you know, to give off of that. And that had translated then into my rise and grind mentality in school. I mean, I was straight A's, headed to medical school and beyond. And I always needed to earn that financially stable future, whether or not entrepreneurship was a part of it. But fast forward through a lot of experience, I've had to do a lot of reconciling with allowing passive ease as an entrepreneur. I hadn't seen money making be easy. I had seen, you know, all that I just mentioned. And as potentially as limiting as that initially could have sounded, and as polite or impolite as it was to talk about money at the table, I recognized that I lived a very privileged childhood because money and food were always still available. And there was always food on that dinner table. And uh, I think that's, that's just really important to note that there's always something that you can still find gratitude within whatever your money story is, whatever is generationally built into you. And as early as four years old, which I think is wild. So for us with all young kids, you know, we're already imprinting those stories into our families. So yeah, so just think back, what's your first observation for your money story as a kid, if you're, you know, looking to start investigating and, and once you start, you might not be able to stop. You might un- unveil your Coke vending machine. <laughs> you- that's, that's so good, Courtney. And I have to say, did you guys find this kind of therapeutic to like write out your funny story? I felt like I was really rehashing. I mean, I've been on this journey for, um, I would say a little over a year now of like kind of unveiling what my story is. And it's really interesting. And it's so interesting to hear both of your stories. And actually, I didn't know that um, it was as early as four years old. So that is so cool. I mean, I have a five-year-old and I mean, I think about and I know that like the way that I talk to him about money matters. And I know that I'm shaping him. And so it is so interesting to be aware of those things and that we are imprinting our little people. And so my story is different than both of yours, which is so cool. And I I love learning, you know, our journeys. I am the oldest of four, and both of my parents are teachers. And we really had, (laughs) I can't figure out how else to explain it other than a very normal upbringing. We were pretty middle class, but abundant, right? Like I never felt like I I couldn't have something. My parents never made us feel bad about money or like we didn't have money. I look back at my childhood and I'm like, I was like just a happy kid. I don't know. I, I was just happy and provided for. And they always just made it happen. They worked hard and made it happen. And they provided. And I think one of the main chapters of my money story is that I think the impression that I got from my childhood is that 
if you work really hard, you make money. And so my whole life, probably similarly to Courtney's, I just strove, I strove, strived to work really hard to produce an outcome, right? I think my high school story is the same. I got into a great college and I, you know, worked really, really hard knowing that if I worked hard, I would make money. So that's sort of like my upbringing and not necessarily because I wanted to make a lot of money, really just because it felt ingrained in me. Like, like, you know, the simple equation X plus Y equals Z. And it was just something that I did. And somewhere along the way, I learned about, and I don't know where, I cannot pinpoint where in my life I started to learn about strategy. And I started to sort of rewrite my concept of money. I realized that working hard didn't have to be the only way to make money. It certainly is a way. But while I I admire hard work, and I know that many people need to work hard to make their income like, like I have for years, I now realize that there is so much strategy around how you can make your money work for you. And I love just being in... uh, This is a quick side note about community. I love being surrounded by smart, business-minded women like you two. And like, you know, the Social Selling Collective. It has opened my eyes so much. I love learning from other women who are on this journey as well. So I love learning and I love rewriting, right? Our narrative on on how we talk about and think about money. So how can you set yourself up for compounding and scaling? And that's why I love this business so much. I mean, I cannot explain it. That's why I love entrepreneurship. There are so many ways to be creative and strategic and learn how to really compound and scale. And so I'm really speaking to you ladies really quickly. It is important to know what position your finances are in. Be in the know. And Jordan, I know you and I just recently had a conversation about this. And this is, I saw something with my grandparents early on in my childhood. My grandmother was put in a position where she didn't know what her financial state was. And she didn't know what her passwords were. And she didn't know. And so I just want this is your call to action today is to go out, make sure you know your passwords, make sure. And I think a lot of times we don't want to own that responsibility and it's scary, or maybe we don't want to handle the money and that's fine. But just know, know what kind of position you're in. Okay. Be your own advocate. And it's just important. It's just really important because you are smart and you deserve to be in the know. And so that was my shameless plug. I hope that was okay to do. I hope you ladies aren't like, oh, why is she rambling? Um, (laughs) And I feel like we could do a million, like hearing you ladies talk, I'm like, oh my gosh, keep going with that. I have questions. I I feel like we could seriously do a whole spinoff on Social Selling Collective Podcast just on money. Like there's so much here. I really think so too. Yeah. And it's a tricky topic. And so you know, maybe you can resonate with our stories. Maybe you can't. Maybe you have your own. I just want to encourage you in closing to start to consider your history with money. What is your story? What was your upbringing? We can't control that, right? We we have a narrative. We learned. That's our history. So now you get to start to think about how your relationship is with money. How do you think about money? Do you have a scarcity mindset around money? Or do you have an abundant mindset with money? And also... The last plug is just that you get to write your own narrative. You are the boss in your social selling business, in your family. You get to write your own money story. It's so cool. It's amazing. 
So that's your homework for tonight is to think about those things and do not miss out because our next episode is Money Talk Part 2. We cannot wait to see you on the next episode. This episode might be over, but the conversation is just getting started. If you're ready for more, then you're invited to join us inside the Social Selling Club, our membership community for women in direct sales looking to up-level both business and life. As part of the club, you'll receive three social selling business trainings a month, plus a live coaching call with us, your collective coaches. And most importantly, you're building your own social selling network of like-minded, motivated women for friendships, collaboration, and accountability. You can join us now for less than a dollar a day. So come on over. You can sit with us. Find us at socialsellingcollective.com slash club to sign up right now. We hope you loved what you heard here today. Thank you for choosing to be here. We'll see you next time and inside of the Social Selling Club.